It says, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And Father, we just humbly ask as we take this time to open the word of God as an act of worship, that by your Holy Spirit, you would prepare us and that you would directly speak, Lord, to each and every one of us, that we'd hear your voice and particularly be able to reflect upon your love and your son, Jesus Christ, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper this day as well. So bless our time we ask together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Excuse me. You know, life here on this earth can obviously be challenging at times in many different ways hardships we endure personally obstacles at times we have to face as we're trying to journey our way through this life on earth there are things like disappointments and heartbreaks and all of those challenges kind of cause us to i think not only struggle circumstantially i mean that's one aspect of challenges the circumstantial difficulties But then there's the whole other side of we also at times struggle mentally. Sometimes we struggle emotionally. And there are these other aspects to struggling and challenges that we go through as well. We wrestle with our thoughts and our feelings on top of just the circumstantial difficulties themselves. And I think the question becomes, what helps us to kind of stay stable, if you would, as the boat is kind of going through stormy waters? What's the thing that helps stabilize us in the midst of those times? Well, in some ways, I think a lot of times it becomes the assurance that we are loved and that we're not alone. To have an understanding in the midst of difficulties that someone is there for us to help us, to support us, to stand by us and be with us again as we journey through the storm, as well as to just know that something better is available to us in the days ahead is a lot of times what helps us stay stable as we're journeying through the storm. And I think that's why it is good, if I could use the word, almost therapeutic at times for our hearts and our minds to periodically just reflect upon how much God loves us. In fact, the chapter prior to this, 1 John chapter 3, John himself, who's an aged man at this time, He's endured a lot of hard experiences by this point in his life. It was John who said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner, the idea is what kind of love, he says that the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. So John says in regard to this amazing love that God has for us to actually make us become his children, John says we should actually behold that. The idea of behold is to consider Think about it. John says, actually behold it. Don't just, you know, kind of gloss over it. Take time to behold and to consider the depths of God's love. And today, as we prepare to celebrate communion, that's what I want to do. I want to use these verses to sort of just reflect, if you would, upon the love that God has shown to each and every one of us through our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the very prior verse to verse nine, if you glance back to verse eight, What's the last three words of verse eight? God is love. 
So the very statement prior to the ones that we're looking at in God's word this morning declares to us God's very nature, God's very character is that he is love. That is God in his very being is love. God himself is the origin and the source of pure love, of perfect love. His very nature is loving, which means he's by nature compassionate, merciful, gracious, kind. God in his very nature and essence is giving and helpful and generous and willing to do what is necessary, even to be protective. God fully cares about our welfare and he values us tremendously, and therefore he always wants what is best for us. Ultimately, God's very person is the very definition of what love truly is. Now, it's with that awareness, John then goes on after having declared God is love to then say to us in verse nine, in this, he says, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So we see in verse nine here that God wants us to be aware of his great love. That's one part. But God also wants us to experience personally his love in our life. The first thing that's evident by the first part of the verse there is that God purposely has revealed his love in the clearest manner possible. God, with all knowledge and all wisdom, found the strongest way he could to declare and to make evident his love towards us, the love of God. And I guess it's good to ask on occasion, what really is that? When we talk about the love of God, we live in a culture that has a lot of confusion in regards to what love really is and what love is not. We use that term rather loosely. I mean, we say this is love and that is love, and we have all these different ideas that are becoming quite construed of what love is. And then, of course, on top of that, you say, I love peanut butter. I mean, well, it's very different, your love for peanut butter and the love of God. So what really is the love of God? Well, thankfully, in the Greek language, they, as we know, uh, had multiple words at times that were used to define the same thing. I think there's four different Greek words that were used to define the word love. The one that we're looking at here is the word, of course, agape. And the idea there is in this, the agape of God, referring to God's love. That word agape in the Greek referred to the purest form and the highest expression of love. It was a higher expression of love than romantic love between a husband and a wife. And that's a high version of love. It's a higher version of love, of family love, storge, the love between you know, a mother and their child or sibling love. It's, it's a higher expression of love than that. And it's even a higher expression of love than brotherly love, friendship love, where you really care about someone as your friend in a deep way. This word is the purest and highest expression of love because it refers to a self-sacrificing love, a caring commitment that we have towards another person. Listen, despite the condition that they're in. That's what makes it a purest expression of love because it is self-sacrificing, caring commitment to another person who's the object of the love despite their condition, no matter what they're doing or what they're not doing, despite what they have done or what they have not done. Their condition completely or even their treatment of you has no bearing on this kind of love. This is the love that God has. It's a love that highly values its object and always seeks the best for the welfare of the object that's being loved. 
So in light of that, it is a love that's not based on sentimental feelings, but a choice of unconditional love towards the object. In other words, it has nothing to do with how I feel about you. It has nothing to do with what's happened between us. It has everything to do with the choice of unconditionally loving regardless of that. Now, of course, God's very good at loving that way because God is love. And so God can love in this tremendous way. It's a difficulty for us, we understand many times, but it's that faithful, enduring commitment to care that will not change depending upon what the object has done or doesn't do or what's happened between us. And look, that is the love, this agape love that we're talking about that God has towards you and I. This is the way that God loves us. When we speak of God's love, that's the kind of love that God has for you. This choice to love because God is loving, not because of what your conditions are or what you have or haven't done in your life or if you think that you're worthy of God's love. It is a foreign, unusual love. It's an amazing love that God intends, honestly, in the purity of it, I think, for us to marvel over and to really have it melt and soften our hearts. And God wanted to make sure that each person would become aware of his love and know it fully that John declares to us here in 1 John 4, 9, he says, in this, the love of God was manifested. When he says in this, the idea is in this way, God showed his love. He's going to say, by this act, God revealed his love. He's going to say through this purposeful action, this specific way in this, the greatness of God's love was, he says, they're manifested. And that Greek word manifested speaks of purposeful revelation of something in a way whereby you do not want it to be hidden. So the idea there is a conscious, purposeful effort so that something's not hidden or missed, you make every effort possible to make it disclosed, to make it as open and evident as possible. One translation says, God showed us how much he loved us. And again, why? That we might be clearly convinced so that there would be no question or misunderstanding. God put his love on display to make sure that we would be aware of it because God wants us to be aware of it. And God demonstrates here to us in one way that real love is not something that's just to be spoken about. It's something to be shown. And God demonstrated that before anybody. That genuine, real, agape, unconditional, pure love is not just something talked about, it's something that's demonstrated. It's something that's displayed. Love is meant to be expressed through actions and things done to display it. That's why he says there, his love was manifested towards us. In other words, God didn't just tell us about his love. God showed his love towards us. Certainly he's declared it as well, but God didn't just declare it verbally. He didn't just communicate about his love to us. He personally expressed it through an action of demonstration so that it could not be missed and so that it could be experienced in our lives. And how did God do it? How did God display or show his love? He says it was displayed in this way that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Again, the Bible tells us, think of it, that despite our sin, despite our unworthy condition because all of us like sheep have gone astray we've rebelled against god and that's offensive to god god is holy god is just god is love but the bible also says god is light 
And so our sin, which we all commit from time to time, from the moment we've been born, it causes offense towards God. It it dishonors God. It hurts God. and, And yet God, motivated by his love, though our sin caused separation, God motivated by his love, he didn't just cast us off. He didn't just cast us aside. Well, if you're going to behave like that or you're going to spit in my face or treat me horrible, rebel against me, well, then I'm done with you. I I don't need you anyway. And God, quite honestly, could have taken that attitude because those are accurate things of God. He's pretty self-sufficient. But God did not choose to do that. Despite our sinful condition, he didn't cast us off. What did he do? He actually reached out to us. He actually reaches out to us and establishes a righteous way whereby he himself actually becomes our savior to solve us from the problem that we're in. We need to be spared and saved from our sin. God didn't just send us away to get saved. The Bible teaches God, our savior. God actually became our savior. The very God who we sinned against actually became the one who would save us from our sin because he wanted relationship with us. So Jesus, the eternal son of God, who was with God in eternity, the father being worshiped and honored, that same Jesus as an extension of God's love, God, it says, sent his son Jesus into this world, which had turned its back on him. And God sends forth his son to come and to be concerned for our welfare. Jesus was the the demonstration of who God was. So one of the greatest things Jesus displayed was the love that God had towards us. And when Jesus came, it was meant to be a demonstration of what God really is like and what God is not like. And one of the greatest things Jesus displayed just in his life was the tremendous love and compassion that God had for people. And of course, the ultimate display of God's love through Jesus was that God in his good and loving nature allowed Jesus to be our representative living as a man. God became man, added a second nature to himself, and then lived the sinless life that I cannot live. He lived the perfect life that you're not able to obtain to meet the standard on our behalf so that there was a righteous standard so that we could then be reunited to God in relationship. So Jesus being fully God and fully man at the same time could build back that bridge that was lost through our sin. And of course, Jesus suffers and dies on the cross to take our punishment, rises back from the dead to defeat the power of death so that as a living risen savior through his life, he might offer to us the love of God and let us be able to experience that relationally now and eternally. And if you think of it, when it says here that God displayed or manifested his love and that he has sent his only begotten son into the world, what John's trying to emphasize is to consider the extent that God went to to display his love towards us. The extent that God would go to to prove and to reveal his love. He didn't spare to give his absolute best. God didn't hesitate. God held nothing back. God, to the greatest extent, showed his love for us. In fact, Romans 8 declares it this way, that God did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. Again, that's the idea. God didn't spare. God could have said, well, I mean, there's a lot of ways I could show him my love. I mean, God it says he didn't spare his own son, his absolute best. That is, on the front side, God gave his absolute best to try and convince humanity, look, if I gave you my best on the front end with Jesus, you should never question my love in any other way because I demonstrated it in giving you my absolute best by not sparing my own son, my own dearly loved son. 
That's why Jesus, no doubt, in John chapter 3, made the declaration he did where he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus went on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Jesus wanted us to feel the heart of God's love behind that. Look, this morning, no, God's heart is that you would know his love towards you personally. In fact, I would go so far as to say, throughout all of human history, God has been working to reveal and prove his love to humanity. There are a lot of things we may think God is doing. Don't ever overlook that one of the greatest things God is constantly trying to do is to convey to people the depths of his love for them to let people be aware of that. It matters to God because he does not want you to be unaware of the depth of the love that he has for you. He wants you to not question his love. He wants you to be aware of it to the fullest extent and to be confidently assured that you would see and recognize and grasp for yourself the tremendous love that he has for you. And why is that important? Because look, in everyday life, right now, you may not be going through the easiest time. Right now, you may be navigating difficulty. Maybe your life experience is on earth, which, if you haven't noticed, is full of sin, which brings hardship and pain and sickness and suffering and difficulties and selfish people and problems. I mean, it, the effect of sin upon the world brings struggle. It brings hardship and disappointment and pain and sorrow. And right now, you may be navigating through some struggles Look, you need to realize that just because you're navigating through struggles, that has no bearing on the reality of God's love for you. Don't let that confuse you. You may not right now have the answers to certain things in your life. And I don't understand why is this or why did that or, or I don't understand God. Why, why, why? Well, look, just because you don't have answers, don't let that confuse you regarding the love of God towards you. Because the Bible says to us, the way we are to measure God's love is not by circumstances. It's not by how we feel from time to time in our emotions. It's not how our thoughts are doing and what we're thinking. It's not by what others have done to us and how they've treated us and we think something bad happens to us and then we misconstrue somehow. You know, if God loves me, then why would he allow that to happen? None of those things are definitions of God's love. God says the supreme definition of my love is this, in this one act, the love of God was manifested, shown, demonstrated, displayed clearly once for all towards us in that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world to do what he has done for us in our eternal benefit. That's how God displayed his love. First John three sixteen says, by this we know love because Jesus laid down his life for us. That is the only safe way, listen, folks, to ever measure God's love. Be careful, because a lot of times we're tempted to measure God's love in other ways, and we can really get off track. The only way to safely measure God's love is to look at Jesus. That was God's way of saying, look, I know you're going to go through some things on that earth that are going to rattle you, that are going to shake you, that are going to be difficult, and sometimes you may not even understand them but I'm giving you this clear declaration so you'll always be able to say, but I know that God loves me and I know he loves me tremendously and that gives me a sense of stability in the midst of the madness that may be going on. Well, God wants his love not just to be known and observed mentally, but it seems to be experienced personally as well because it says he manifested his love by sending Jesus 
that, there's a reason word, that we might then live through him. So again, the end goal of God's expression of love is that we would actually experience his love and that we would experience his love through the person of Jesus who was God's display of love. That happens through Jesus imparting his life to us in a relational way. Through Jesus' risen life, as we have an experience with Jesus, we're able to experience and receive life and love from God firsthand. He says that we might live through Jesus. Again, think of it. Jesus imparts life to us in many different ways. Jesus imparts to us, of course, the gift of eternal life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And one of the ways God demonstrated his love is through Jesus giving to us the gift. Can't earn it. The Bible's clear about that. If you're trying to earn it, you're going to miss it. You cannot earn it. It is the gift of God, which is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And do you know why that makes sense? Because Jesus gives to us himself and he possesses eternal life as the eternal son of God. So you have to have Jesus to have eternal life. Religion is not the gift of eternal life. Religion is spiritual routines and activities. Only Jesus, the eternal son of God, can give eternal life because he gives of his own life to us when we receive him into our lives. So he gives us the gift of eternal life. Jesus also gives to us spiritual life as well. That is, he makes us alive spiritually because the only way I can have a relationship with God is through Jesus. It's as Jesus comes into my life, he awakens me spiritually. And as he comes in, enables me to have a relationship with God. And if that weren't enough, we also experience his life and his love through just the fulfilling and purposeful life that Jesus alone can give to us. Remember Jesus declared in John chapter 10, he said, the thief, referring to, I believe, the devil, he said, the thief only comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, but he says, but I came that you may have life, and that more abundantly. You know, the truth of the matter is, it's as we begin to have an experience with the love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we finally start to find some fulfillment in life. The emptiness starts to go away in meaning and purpose. This is what I was created for to experience God, to experience his love in my life. John says, verse 10, and in this is love, he says, notice, not that we love God, but that he loved us. One translation says, this is real love. The idea there is in this thing, we understand what real love is. And what is it? That God initiated love towards us. He didn't wait for us to get lovable. Thank goodness right? He says here, in this is love. God initiated love first when we wanted nothing to do with God. When we were completely disinterested or on our little rebellious path or whatever we were, God always continues to show love towards us even when we don't love him. God has always demonstrated love towards us. His love is not in any way a response to us being lovable. I mean, thank goodness for that. Not like God looked down on the earth and he's like, wow, I mean, those people, they're adorable. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to break your bubble. Maybe they are physically when they're first born, you know, they're, they're cute. And then after the first night you bring them home, that cuteness is like chaos, right? Because they're cute, but they are so selfish. They never sleep, right? So it's not like God looked at us and something in us invoked his love. That was not the case at all. It was quite the opposite. It's God because he is so loving 
didn't wait for humanity to reach out to him. God loved us regardless of our unworthy condition. And he exercised that love for us through what he did for us in Jesus in our most unlovable state. When we were showing no love towards God, it was in that condition he started showing love towards us. And he continues to do the same thing. Look, that's important because God's always trying to win us over with his love and to demonstrate by initiating love the depths of his love to us. And that's important for us this morning because, look, regardless of your past, right? And in this room this morning, I imagine there's some shady pasts, mine included. Regardless of your past, doesn't matter what your past is. Regardless of what your present condition is or your current struggles, regardless of what other people think about you or what's been done to you to make you feel worthless and valueless or that other people don't have any value in your life or even what negative things you may think about yourself because of your own struggles emotionally or mentally. Look, God has always loved you and God still loves you right now today regardless of what's happened. And God will always continue to love you and keep initiating love towards you. Even at our worst, he constantly loves us through all of our struggles and keeps showing us that love. And our love is always a response to God's love. It's a response. In fact, in this very same book, in chapter four, verse 19, John is gonna say later on in the chapter, we love him because he first loved us. It's always our response to his initiation of love. Now, good reminder in that, the fact that God initiated love. Sometimes we say, man, I wish I could love God more. I want to love God more. I want to love him more. Well, where does that come from? Do you know where it really comes from? Getting to know God's love for you more. Because the more you get to experience God's love, John says, we love him because he first loved us. And the more you open your heart and you allow yourself to be loved by God and believe by faith, God's love for you and discover it and ask to experience it. God, I want to experience your love. When you experience the love of God, it's impossible not to love him back. Part of the reason why many people don't love God is because they won't let God love them. They're putting a shield up. They're keeping a wall up in their pride or whatever. They just won't let God love on them. They won't receive God's love and believe God's love because when you experience God's love, it's impossible not to love God in response. And the greatest demonstration of this sacrificial giving and gracious love is what he did for us through Jesus. That's the last thing he says in verse 10. He says he sent his son to be the propitiation, big word, for our sins. The word propitiation means the satisfactory payment for a debt in order to appease justice or wrath. Because sometimes if you got a debt, there's justice that needs to be served. There's wrath towards that debt. Well, propitiation was the satisfactory payment of the debt to appease justice or wrath. God allowed his son to be mistreated, to suffer, to die brutally on a cross for you and I in order to pay the debt of our sin. The Bible teaches we are all sinful and our sin deserves death. It deserves punishment. Look, we never want to discount this reality. The Bible says the soul that sins shall surely die. God cannot compromise his justice. Someone must die for my sin. That's how bad my sin is. Someone must die for your sin. Someone did die for our sin. 
God had to allow his son to be punished and to suffer the wrath of almighty God in order for you and I to be forgiven and be freed so that his wrath could be appeased. And in his love, God let his son endure that. God sent his son to come to show his love in that great act. The Bible says, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrated his love. To make it evident, to take care of that through his sinless life and then suffering as our substitute, God's wrath is satisfied and he can forgive and pardon you and I. What a wonderful thing to be able to receive God, again, on his terms. Because you've got to receive God on his terms. And you've got to receive, God's not going to change the terms just because he loves you. Well, if he loves me, he'll change the terms. No, he won't. He's a father. I raised three kids. I love him. I never change the terms. You can ask him. And I'm an imperfect human father. But if you come to God on his terms like a humble child and receive what Jesus Christ has done for you as an unworthy sinner, you can be forgiven of all sin, washed of all of your guilt. The stain is removed. The assurance of heaven is given. You're freed from that fear of death. And what a glorious opportunity through Jesus' loving sacrifice to experience that. And to experience it as the demonstration of love. To right now know that you're headed to glory when life is over. Because of the love of God shown through Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you. When you're going through a rough and a difficult world. It can deeply encourage your heart to say. Despite what I'm enduring. Here's what I still know. I know God loves me. And I know his love will never fail. You know like we sang this morning. His love never fails never gives up on me and that his love is going to carry me through this life and he's going to receive me into glory because of what he has done for us in Jesus. You know, that's what we celebrate and reflect upon in communion. And that's why I think in verse 11, John says this as a little exhortation. He says, and beloved, the idea is you're beloved of God. If or since God so loved us, we also ought to love, same word, agape, one another. Because as you are experiencing God's love, then you can express God's love to other people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning, for a chance to be together, to reflect upon the word of God and to reflect upon the love of God through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we take this time now to sing and to worship you, we ask that by your spirit, Lord, you would just cause us to be more conscious in a greater way by the outpouring of your spirit of the love of God through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to search our hearts even now as we prepare to celebrate communion and remember what Jesus did. We ask that you would help us to evaluate and to search our hearts and to worship together properly in your name. Amen. Amen.